Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel. He's a Virginia Tech grad and Notre Dame fan. Mike, first question, I need a judge's decision on last week's picks of the week. Are you feeling qualified to make this judge's decision? I am, especially because I already know what you're going to ask, and I hit on both of my bets. So I'm all ready to judge yours. This is very complicated. Okay, so last week we were talking picks of the week. And we were both very confident in Clemson minus three against Louisville. You picked first, and you brought up Clemson minus three, but you kind of decided to take another one in there too. Uh, you took Notre Dame minus 13 and a half against Boston College. Both of those bets hit. I'm not giving you credit for both of them. However, uh, I was going to take Clemson minus three as well, but by virtue of you kind of having already taken it, I kind of chose not to. I took Clemson-Louisville under 58. Felt pretty decent about it, but defensive touchdowns and stuff, that'll happen. Um, now, but I would have taken Clemson minus three if I hadn't heard you mention it. So which which one was your official pick, and how are we scoring my pick here? So I believe if we go back and listen to the audio, I believe I said, for the good of the podcast, let's pick something other than Clemson minus three. Or, Ooh. which doesn't bode well for you, Yeah, I think I also said, can we both just pick Clemson minus three and be done with it? And you said yes, and I said okay, and then and then after which I said, for the good of the podcast, let's pick another game. So uh, I was I afraid think, that you had said, "Can we both take Clemson minus three? And I said no, but I saying think, yes is a better better result here. Yeah, I believe that I I said yeah, let's take Clemson minus three. We both said yes. Maybe our listeners can just like chime in and let us know and take a vote or something, but. I believe I said, hey, let's both take Clemson minus three. You said yes, and then I believe I said, but for the good of the podcast, let's both pick another game, and we did. Ooh. In, in which I hit, and you did not. So I say we just mm. both take the Clemson minus three, because I put money on anyway, and so did you. It was our lock of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, we both put, like, real-life, hard-earned, like, five bucks on it. So, <laughs> I mean... Let's just roll with it. Let's just roll with it. Clemson minus three. We both get W's in the uh, in the old win column there. What if we take credit for both? So we both take credit for Clemson minus three. You take it for Notre Dame minus 13 and a half, and I take the loss on the under 58. I think that's fair. That's the easiest way to do it, I think. So you go one and one, I go two and oh. All right. After further review, one of the players had the ball in possession and two feet inbounds. Therefore, yeah. And one only had one foot in because we're playing by college rules. So that's right. That's let's right. Just go with that. Yeah. Um, uh, what's a cool. catch? Nobody knows. We're still making up the rules, just like everybody. Uh, Mike, we're here to preview Week Four of the ACC after a, a very uh, eventful Week Three. Maybe that's being generous. Um, it is definitely being generous. Week Four is much more eventful. We actually get four count them four conference games this weekend. That's a good start. 
Um, we're going to start, though, with a game that is not a conference game, nor is it a real headliner game. However, it is a Friday night game, and so just for the benefit of those listening to the podcast, if you're listening to this first, you know, let's, let's get the Friday game out of the way, as the Virginia Cavaliers are 12-point road underdogs on the blue turf of Boise, Idaho against the Boise State Broncos. This is at 8 o'clock on Friday on ESPN2. And this is a dangerous spot. First of all, Virginia has some strange out-of-conference scheduling habits, and going to Boise seems to be one of them. Um, I don't know of a time that it's worked out for them yet. Um, Boise has not been totally dominant this year, but has been a pretty solid team, which I think is maybe more than I can say about Virginia. Uh, 12 points is kind of a lot here, but this is also kind of a long road trip, and a, a Virginia team, granted, coming off a win maybe has some momentum going, but uh, I, I'm very skeptical of their ability to go on the road out to the blue turf and, and keep this thing within 12 points. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Boise State to win and cover here, Mike. Let's go Boise State uh, 34, Virginia 17. Yeah, uh, to your point about weird like scheduling quirks, like this is definitely right up there. Having Virginia going on the road on a Friday night to Boise State. Uh, First of all, scheduling Boise State is a little out of character. Um, Now they've done it for a few years in a row. It's part of this series that they've done. This whole thing is very weird to me. Um, Looking at Virginia, I mean, Kurt Benkert has been a lot better than I think you and I both expect him to be. He's thrown for 976 yards, seven touchdowns, and an interception through three games. So... I, you know, I think if you were a Virginia fan before the season, you would have signed up for that at essentially the quarter pole of the season. Um, so he's been really good. Uh, running game coming around. Uh, Jordan Ellis, 219, three touchdowns. He's been okay. Boise State is kind of like a one-man show, um, you know, as far as what they do offensively. You know, Montel Cozart's done a little bit of everything. He's thrown the ball for 347 yards. And five touchdowns. He has 179 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Um, It'll be interesting to see how Virginia attempts to neutralize him from the quarterback position. I think if they do that, they'll be able to hang around. This is not the most talented team that Boise State has had in a while, but it's a team that can still certainly beat Virginia at home on the blue turf. I like Boise State here as well. Um, 12 points sounds about right for this matchup. I don't think this will be a blowout. I think Virginia should hang around and be competitive. Um, but my gut feeling tells me Boise's the better team. That's a weird place to play on a Friday on the road. So give me Boise to cover as well that 12-point spread and to win at home against Virginia. But this is a weird game for the Cavaliers. I will grant you that. So, Mike, Boise State's played three other teams this year. And tell me which of them you think is worse than Virginia. They had a 11-point home win against Troy, uh, a 47-44 overtime loss on the road at Washington State, and a two-touchdown home win last weekend uh, against New Mexico on a Thursday night. Is Where does Virginia stand in that whole ranking? Uh, better than Troy, probably better than New Mexico. You put Virginia better than Troy? I'd put Virginia better than Troy, I think. I think Troy's better than New Mexico. I think 
Virginia is slightly better than Troy if we're talking about the Virginia that we've seen through three weeks. Now, what I expected Virginia to be preseason is not better than Troy, but Virginia's been better than I've expected him to be. So I'd put them ahead of Troy. Um, obviously, Washington State is a much better team than Virginia, and for Boise to be within three points there is pretty impressive. Uh, so, yeah, I'd take Virginia over Troy, New Mexico, I think, as we sit here, you know, three weeks into the season, but it's close. I think I disagree. I think I would take Troy over Virginia slightly, but at the same time, I'm probably basing a lot of that off of last year's results rather than this year's. I think Troy's been a little less sharp this year. Uh, for what it's worth, by the way, Bill Conley's S&P Plus agrees with you. They have Virginia 68th overall and Troy 73rd, so close, should though. be interesting. Yeah, close. Um, both of us have Boise State to cover 12 at home on a Friday night against the Cavaliers. Moving on, Mike, to the, I guess what we're going to call the ACC's headliner of the weekend. Uh, I think if you look at top-end, you know, top-notch games, maybe this is maybe like a B-plus type of game. Uh, not quite A-level, but uh, a big one at noon on ABC and ESPN2. Check your local listings. Uh, the NC State Wolfpack, a 12-point road underdog in Tallahassee at number 12 Florida State. Uh, Florida State, this is their first game, by the way, since playing Alabama like a year ago. Um, what feels like a year ago, at least. It was you know before Labor Day. So, uh, We haven't seen any of James Blackman since that late in the fourth quarter against Alabama. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of question around what this offense is going to look like. NC State has kind of underwhelmed in terms of producing final results. Although if you look at total body of work, they've been pretty good so far this year. Mike, I don't totally know what to think of this game. Walk me through this one. Yeah, this is a tough game to kind of handicap. So. Florida State hasn't played in essentially almost three weeks by the time this game kicks off um, on Saturday. And they're breaking in a new quarterback. And I think the pollsters are either forgetting how good Florida State is or they're just sliding them down the rankings just because they haven't played. But either way, Florida State enters this game ranked 12th in the country, which I think is pretty comical. <laughs> um, I think they're easily a top seven team, uh, you know, with even without DeAndre Francois, just given how good the defense is and, you know, how good I'm expecting this running game to be uh, once it finally gets on track here. Um, now, on the flip side with NC State, we were expecting them to be pretty good um, this year and be a team that contends in the Atlantic Division. And this is one of those games that we were kind of referring to as a game that could kind of, you know, turn their season one way or another. Now, granted, we weren't expecting Florida State to be without Francois for this one, so we pretty much put this in Florida State's uh, Florida State's uh, bag here uh, with a win. But the thing I am a little bit interested in seeing here is how Florida State adapts with Blackman at quarterback. He hasn't played really much at all. I mean, he got some snaps in the game against Alabama when Francois got hurt, but that was really about it. I'm interested to see how he adapts. I do think that having a few weeks to kind of, you know, adjust to being the starter and running with the ones in practice, I do think that sort of stuff matters. But with that being said, like, I, you know, there's nothing that matches in-game 
snaps and in-game reps. And Blackman hasn't had any of those since the opener against Alabama in garbage time against their backups. So there's that. NC State on the other side didn't look great in the opener against South Carolina. They blew that game, a game they easily should have won. They've looked okay the last couple of weeks. But can NC State put a consistent game together on both sides of the football offensively and defensively? for long enough on the road to stop a team like Florida State that's as talented as you'll see across the board. The thing about Florida State is I think with James Blackman, as long as he's a good game manager, hands the ball off, doesn't turn the football over, can make a few throws here and there, I think Florida State's defense is plenty good enough to beat almost any team in the ACC with the caveat of Clemson at this point in time. So give me Florida State to win. NC State a 12-point underdog. I'm going to take NC State to cover. I do think they'll put a full game together and make this really interesting. Um, I do think this will be a close game in Tallahassee. Noon kickoff, maybe everybody's a little bit sleepy, except for NC State coming in fired up because nobody's going to give them a chance. I, I'm interested to see how Florida State responds, if they're resting on their laurels or if they come out and you know they're firing on all cylinders because they haven't played a game and they're so eager to get out there and, and compete. But Give me NC State to cover. I think NC State will play well in this spot for the first time all year. I think they'll play a complete game. But I think Florida State's just too talented across the board at the end of the day. So give me a Seminoles at home. I think that I come away with the, the biggest question in my mind is can, can James Blackman successfully turn around and hand the ball off to Cam Akers and Jacquez Patrick? Um I think Florida State's going to get a lot done in the running game. I think they might get you know quite a bit done in the short passing game as well. Uh, remember, his quarterback's coach at this point is Jimbo Fisher. Um, he's not bad at coaching up a quarterback, even a new guy. Um, I mean, Jameis Winston was a redshirt freshman, and he won a Heisman. Um, so not to say that I'm comparing James Blackman and Jameis Winston, but more just to say that there's a track record of success with young quarterbacks in this offense uh, not to mention, you know, Francois was a freshman last year, so it, it can be done. Um, I I think that Florida State's going to possibly roll NC State here. Um, I I think this, I mean, this is far and away the best defense that NC State will have played so far. Um, they put up 28 points and, you know, 500 plus some odd yards against South Carolina, which was impressive. Um but looking at the analytics, again, South Carolina's defense is not on the level that Florida State's is. What they were able to do in, in stuffing the run against Alabama, I mean, you think Alabama couldn't run on them, so you think NC State can? I mean, no way. Um, I think that Florida State's going to have a couple of moments, especially with a freshman quarterback. They'll fumble a snap, and they'll throw an interception, and there'll be some teachable moments. But I think top to bottom, NC State, this is going to be the, the toughest time they have all year moving the ball. I think that We've seen so far that NC State's defense is a little more flawed than we thought they were going to be. Um, and, and so I think that Florida State's going to be able to uh, exploit that and that, that the questions there. The big question maybe is just can they keep Blackman upright? That Florida State offensive line didn't do great, but again, that was against Alabama. Mike, I'm going to go with Florida State to cover 12 here. Um, I, I don't know that they cover it by much. I think maybe a 14 to 17 point win here, but... I think that they're going to come out and remind everyone why they were the number two or number three team in the country a few weeks ago 
Uh, and even with a freshman quarterback, I mean, he doesn't have to be a wizard, you know, with all the talent that he's got around him and that defense he's got on the other side. I think Florida State's going to be just fine this year, and, and, and I think they're going to prove that here. So give me Florida State to cover. I guess I'll give you that, and we can just go ahead and move on to my lock of the week. Mike, don't do this to me. And I know you don't want me to do this. I, I need to do this. Um, <laughs> you know. Damn it. My co- yeah, my country is calling me or something, whatever that saying is. Uh, Georgia Tech <laughs> is a seven-point home favorite on Saturday, Twelve twenty kickoff on the ACC Network. Pittsburgh is a very bad football team, Joey. We've seen it now for two weeks in a row. I don't know how else to really splice this. Um, Pittsburgh's only win has come against FCS late in Youngstown State, and it came in overtime by a touchdown. Um, Pitt proceeded to get blown out to Penn State, and they got blown out last weekend against Oklahoma State at home, a game that was over before really anybody had sat down to kind of enjoy the college football afternoon. It was like quarter after 12 and the game was already over. Um, Pittsburgh's really bad on defense and come to find out their offense isn't very good either. Now, Quadri Olison, Quadri Henderson, name that Quadri. Um, they're both pretty good still. Now, a quarterback, Pitt has a number of issues. Ben DiNucci listed as a co-starter now. After Max Brown got pulled after going 7 of 10 for 60 yards last week, which was okay. But they weren't moving the ball against Oklahoma State. They needed to score. And Ben DiNucci started to get the ball rolling there in that regard. Uh, He finished with like 230 yards passing in that game, which I thought was pretty decent uh, just coming off the bench. So where does this leave this matchup, right? Georgia Tech's rushing attack, you know, one of the best in college football, really hard offense to defend. Pittsburgh, you know, they gave up over six yards of carry to Saquon Barkley a couple of weeks ago. I love Georgia Tech here, Joey, to win and to cover. I'm not really sure who's going to be playing quarterback for Pittsburgh, but if I'm Georgia Tech and I can stop the run against Pittsburgh, I like my chances against either Ben DiNucci or Max Brown. I, I like my chances to get some stops, and I love my chances offensively to score on this Pittsburgh defense, which is really, really bad, like really bad. So give me Georgia Tech to win and to cover. I think they do this by a couple touchdowns, you know, 14 to 17 point spread. Georgia Tech is the much better team in this game, and they're at home. It's my lock of the week. They're absolutely going to get it done. Don't doubt me, Joey. All right? Don't doubt me. It should be music to your ears. It's your school. Mike, I have two stories I need to tell you right now. The first one is that Sunday night when the Falcons were playing the Packers and they had about a 16-point lead in the fourth quarter and were successfully running the ball, Back believe that cover. or not, uh, they were running the ball down the field, you know, putting the game away, and I realized that I may never watch a football game again with a sense of emotional stability um, when one of my teams is playing. Um, I The other story is that when I saw that this line came out at Georgia Tech minus 7.5, and and I have every reason to like this based on what we've seen from both of these teams so far, uh, and I just saw that and I was like, oh, man, I don't know what I think about that. that, I will never be comfortable with a a spread involving Georgia Tech again. I don't know why. I don't know how. But I I am nervous about this game, Mike. Pitt obviously coming off a couple of pretty bad losses, now going on the road. Uh, and taking on a tech team that has only hadn't played in two weeks, um, and, and when they did play, they benched the starters in the fourth quarter against Jacksonville State. Uh, tech looked really good running the ball against Tennessee the first week, and has looked pretty good passing it too both weeks. Uh, meanwhile, P- 
Pitt has not looked good much at all on really like either side of the ball. Um, offensively has been a real disappointment trying to run the same system that, uh, that was installed last year by Matt Canada defensively, just bad, just very bad. Um, I, I I'm looking at this, Mike, by the way, uh, S and P plus one of the things they look at is success rate, uh, defensive rushing success rate. Mike, do you know how many teams are on the FBS? Was it 128, something like that? It's 130. Do you know how many rank? Do you know how many of them rank in front of Pittsburgh in rushing success rate? 126. 129. Oh wow, that's Pitt even is, worse than I thought. Look at that. Pitt is dead last in the country in rushing success rate, uh, which is at a sky high 59 or 56.9 percent. So uh, that bodes well for Georgia Tech. Um, I. I don't know. I, I'm nervous about this game. I think Tech's going to come in well-rested. I, I don't know if the defense has proven enough to me, but I don't know how much they have to prove for Pitt. Pitt sucks, dude. <sighs> yeah, They're give bad. me Georgia Tech to cover. Yeah, they, they should. I mean, look, uh, you know, I, I think Pittsburgh's defense is super bad, and you just proved that they're even worse than I expect them to be. So there you go. All the more reason to pick a really bad Pittsburgh rushing defense against – a really good rushing offense in Georgia Tech. Lock of the week, Joey. Lock it. Lock Pitt, it down. Pitt is getting uh, Jordan Whitehead back this week from suspension. I, I don't them. know. Can he play quarterback? No. Nor is he, okay. you know, Ed Reed or something that can single-handedly fix a defense. That's right. So, That's right. Um, yeah, I think Georgia Tech covers here. Give me the Yellow Jackets. Uh, let's go 38-24. to 24. This is a two-touchdown nice. win. Nice score. That's a nice, and, clean score. Yeah, and more importantly, I think Georgia Tech's going to have to hit a field goal in this game because they got to prove that they can at some point. they got a couple against Jacksonville State, I guess. But anyways, moving on, Mike, the uh, the 3.30 p.m. matchup on ESPNU. This is a, a, a good old Tobacco Road brawl going on. The Duke Blue Devils, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite on the road at North Carolina. Uh, the Blue Devils have won this game, if I'm not mistaken, two years in a row. Let me look that up. I think they know they won last year. I think they might have won two years in a row, though. Um, Duke has been impressive this year so far. They've they've put teams away that they really uh, should have, or maybe even should have been more competitive with. Uh, and meanwhile, North Carolina finally got in the win column in Week Three against Old Dominion after a couple of uh, rougher games early. I like where this matchup is for Duke. I, I, Daniel Jones did not have a good game last week. I think he can bounce back here against a pretty iffy Tar Heels uh, defense. I wonder if Duke's defense is for real with what they did for against Baylor last week and what North Carolina's offense is capable of producing, as we saw. But what are your what are your thoughts on this game, Mike? Duke two and a half point road favorites. Um, I'm not a huge believer. Okay, wait. First of all, good basketball game. Yes. Uh, so let's get that out of the way first. Mm-hmm. Um, Nike versus I'm, Jordan. Nike versus Jordan and, you know, Duke versus Carolina and, you know. <laughs> By the way, versus... UNC, UNC 66, Duke 31 in 2015. So it's just one year in a row. Okay. That makes sense because, okay, that makes a lot of sense because North Carolina, they were in the ACC championship two years ago, correct? Right. Yeah. Against, yeah. Yeah, they right. were. Yeah, that was them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um we both should have known that, and we both dropped the ball. <laughs> but, hey, you know, that's why we have the Internet. Um, I actually like North Carolina here to pull off a home upset, and I don't know why. 
Um, Duke has the best player on the field in Daniel Jones. Um, he's coming off an iffy start. I do think that's an aberration. Uh, but that's really all I have to say about Duke. North Carolina, Chaser Rats looked really, really good. Um, his first few weeks as a starter, like super good, even better than I expected as a freshman. Uh, they still have a good amount of playmakers on the outside that can help them out that have kind of emerged here. Um, the running game, more importantly, has emerged. It looked really good last weekend against ODU. Uh, look, we don't know about Duke's defense. I think that's a big wild card in this one, right? Like, we don't know anything about Duke's defense yet. They haven't really played a real offense. Um, you know, you get an FCS school. Uh, you play a team like Baylor that's, you know, been really struggling. I mean, you just don't have a lot of opponents to really base any sort of defensive statistics off of for Duke through three weeks and this is the first real offense they're playing this year Um, North Carolina has taken a step back on that side of the football overall but there's still a potent offense you know they could put up some points and I think Chad Surratt is really uh, going to be the real deal of quarterback for them and I you know I love Duke in this game if it's Brandon Harris under center for North Carolina but since it's not I'm going to take the Tar Heels to win this game and surprise a lot of people. I think Duke's getting a lot of hype that I'm not sure is warranted. Um, I think this is the week that either a lot of people are proven right or a lot of people are proven wrong about what this Duke team is going to be. I was one of those guys coming into the year that thought, you know, look, Duke's offense might be okay. You know, I know Daniel Jones is super good, but I don't know what their defense is. And three weeks in, I still don't know what their defense is. And this is the first offense they're seeing. So... Give me North Carolina to win the game. If not, I'll eat crow, and I'll be perfectly okay with it, and I'll start to believe in Duke. But, you know, until they play a real offense, we're not going to be sure. And this is the weekend that we're at least going to see some semblance of an offense going against that Duke defense, and we'll have a better idea. So give me North Carolina to win and surprise a lot of people in this one at home. That's fair. I like it. Fortune favors the bold, Mike. Uh, I'm going to go the other way. And and I, I, I kind of believe in Duke's defense to a certain degree. Um, North Carolina's offense has looked pretty good, even in a couple of losses at times. So uh, I think they're figuring things out with Chaz Surratt back there at quarterback. But more importantly, Mike, I've seen a North Carolina defense that has been totally overmatched against a lot of different teams and is now about to go up against a David Cutcliffe offense uh, I, I do not like the coaching matchup there for North Carolina. I, I think that David Cutcliffe might coach circles around uh, that Tar Heel defense, and I think Duke might be able to score at will, um, especially if this is a close game late. I, I really trust Daniel Jones and David Cutcliffe to come up with that against North Carolina's defense where they are right now. Um, I think because this is such a low spread, I'm going to take the Blue Devils, but I do think this is a close game. Um, I, I don't know that... I mean, I think if I had to pick one team to pull away, you know, if, if one team's going to win this game by three touchdowns, it's probably North Carolina, honestly. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case, though. And, and because it's so close in a rivalry game like it is, uh, give me the Blue Devils to cover two and a half. Uh, I'm going to take Duke here 34 to 30. Um, so that they just barely cover uh, by about a point and a half here. So um, I've got Duke to cover. you got UNC to win. Um, Mike, should we talk about this game more, or should we move on and talk about the uh, the slaughter that's going to happen in South Carolina Saturday afternoon? Uh, yeah, let's move to the slaughter in South Carolina. 
where um, the the number two Clemson Tigers are uh, thirty four point favorites at three thirty p.m. Oh on ESPN two. Oh my god! You heard that right. They are just short of five touchdown favorites. So get it while it's hot, because um, that was up from about thirty one points yesterday, I believe. Um, they are thirty four point favorites as they await their sacrifice of the weekend, which is of course the Boston College Eagles. Um, mid-afternoon game on ESPN2, kind of a strange TV slot, but I guess Clemson is primetime viewing against anybody at this point. Um, Mike, like, what is the what is the outlook on Boston College covering 34 here? Is that not, is that a dis, like even worth discussing for us? It's not very good. That's what I'll <laughs> say about the outlook. It's not great. Uh, look, uh, Notre Dame has a really good rushing attack, and Boston College gave up something like you know, 600 yards total of, of total offense, like 500 yards rushing last week against Notre Dame. Um, Fuller, Etienne, is that how we pronounce his name? Sounds good to me. Uh, Tavian Feaster, Kelly Bryant, all those guys are going to be able to run the football on Boston College. More importantly, they're going to be able to throw the football on Boston College. And, you know, Boston College, I give their offense a little bit of credit they have shown glimpses of moving the football uh but they're not gonna be moving the football against clemson so give me the tigers in an absolute route clemson wins and covers and i'm not sure this game i mean 34 is low i think i i would look it's pretty funny because i i try not to bet on massive spreads this is one at 34 points i'm looking at because i I don't see any conceivable way in which Boston College slows down Clemson's offense, and I have no idea how Boston College even comes close to moving the ball on Clemson's defense. If it's the same Clemson defense that showed up the last couple of weeks, no chance Boston College picks up more than six or seven first downs in this entire football game. It's just kind of the way this is looking here. So give me Clemson by a lot, a lot, a lot of points. They could win this thing by like 40, 45 points, I think. Mike, does Kelly Bryant take a snap in the second half of this game? Uh, I believe that he does, but I think he's done early in the third quarter. So, like, one drive in the third quarter and then call it? Yeah, they're probably up by, like, four touchdowns at the break, and then I'd venture to say he'd be out there for maybe a drive or two in the second half, and once they score again and put it to, like, five touchdowns, I think that'll be it. So, if it's at five touchdowns, there's the spread right there. At 34, it'll be right in the neighborhood. But, I mean, Boston College will not move the football on Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to go Clemson 45-6. Uh, to six. I don't think this is all that close. Yeah, um, nice. This is, this is a blowout. I don't even think Boston College – I mean, I, I think you're talking about backups on both sides of the ball for Clemson in the fourth quarter. And I don't think the Eagles move the ball still. Speaking of which, Mike, can I read you a tweet real quick that we got? Please read me a tweet. So you posted the uh, an article on Twitter, an article. You posted our, our week three recap on Twitter earlier this afternoon. We record here on Tuesday night. We got a reply, and first of all, your tweet was, BC and Pittsburgh are pretty garbage at college football. I discussed that and more with Joey on at BC Podcast ACC on Twitter. Nothing false about that. Nothing false. Uh, and we got a reply from at BC Eagles 1974. <laughs> oh, did we? And I don't, I don't totally know what all this – basically he says, change is coming to cheap and lazy Boston College. If BC's leaders, that's in quotes, then in quotes, decide to fly and offer Harbaugh money to David Shaw, 
is only one ever to excel solution. I don't know what the last part means, but I think what he's saying is that Boston College has Harbaugh money and can offer it to David Shaw to come lead their program. Uh, and I think that David Shaw would be a better coach there for Steve Adazio. Would you agree, Mike? Uh, yes, that's a no-brainer. You know who makes a lot of sense, who's from the Northeast and might be interested in getting back into some college football coaching? Uh-oh. One Chip Kelly Ooh. is from the New England area, and if he wants a nice little cushy landing spot with no expectations, Boston College seems like the place to be, doesn't it? I could see it, Mike. I could, I see, could it. see it too. Now, that would be a lot of fun. I don't know if it ever happens, but BC could throw some money at Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly is having a nice time doing some uh, doing some NFL stuff for ESPN, but he wants to get back into coaching. College ranks seems like a good idea after you know two failed NFL stints. If he wants to get back into it, why not go back towards the old stomping grounds of New England and you know coach up the Boston College Eagles, who you know have one of the worst football programs in the ACC. I, for one, believe in Boston College's ability to outbid Texas A&M, Ole Miss, UCLA, and name other big name programs here. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. Moving on, Mike, 7 p.m. on ESPN2, the Syracuse Orange are going to try to hold serve uh, 23.5-point road underdogs in Baton Rouge against number 25 LSU. This is, first of all, talk about weird scheduling. This is pretty ballsy, Mike, for Syracuse to schedule a home-and-home with LSU. Um, Now, 23.5, that's a lot of points, and LSU is – probably a lot better than Syracuse's in a lot of ways right now am I crazy for not minding Syracuse to cover here yeah I don't mind Syracuse either and a lot of it has to do with and and that's my pick by the way I'm taking Syracuse to cover 23 and a half against LSU in Death Valley yeah that's that's a thing um the reason why I'm doing that is because you know nothing about LSU's offense has really been that impressive, right? They haven't really been able to move the ball. Zach Atlanta quarterback has struggled. Matt Canada can't really seem to, I don't know if it's like a buy-in thing or if it's just like he doesn't have his personnel there to run the offense that he wants to run as an offensive coordinator. But either way, like LSU's offense hasn't looked all that impressive. But on the flip side, neither has Syracuse's defense. So it's kind of a catch-22. It's like, you know, who do you trust more, Matt Canada and Zach Etling or Syracuse in their defense? And I trust Syracuse's offense enough that I think they'll put up some points against LSU. I really do. Um, I, I trust Eric Dungy. I know you trust Eric Dungy. Um, I trust him less than you do, but I think he has enough in the tank to get the job done against LSU and at least put some points on the board. Um, I'm not crazy enough to pick Syracuse to win this game. I'm not on any drugs that I know of. Give me Syracuse to keep it within, like, 14 to 17 points. I like LSU to win. Um, This could go one of two ways. Either, like, LSU struggles on offense again or it's like a get-right game and turns into an absolute boat race, which, you know, I could see it going one of two directions. But I do think Syracuse will be able to score with LSU even though LSU has a pretty solid defense. So give me Syracuse to keep it close within 14 or 17 points, but LSU should win. LSU has been kind of strange to watch this year. Their, their offense, again, they were the ones that hired Matt Canada away from Pitt. We've mentioned that about 100 times in the podcast by now. But just to reiterate, 
their offense has not been nearly as effective as a lot of people thought it would be. I mean, I for one thought LSU was going to be just like a single, you know, just total wrecking crew this year. Um, and they, you know, looked fine against BYU. They looked good against FCS Chattanooga. And then they just got wrecked last week uh, in Starkville against Mississippi State. Um, I, I don't know what to think of their offense right now. Um, Syracuse is defense obviously in no shape to uh, really put up with a really physical run game that LSU is going to throw at them but LSU only beat BYU 27 nothing and they haven't seemed to really want to open up the playbook yet in a way that would really light up a scoreboard so I'm going to say that Syracuse can kind of keep it close and by the way Mike there's only one man on Syracuse that can help keep this game close and it's your boy Eric Dungy your ACC Player of the Year pick, future, Eric Dungy. Future ACC Player of the Year, Eric Dungy, uh, <laughs> could keep this game with his arm. You know, somewhat competitive, somewhat close. 23.5 points is a whole lot. I'm thinking Syracuse keeps it to about 21. You know, three touchdowns and maybe even you know, a little bit of backdoor cover action. You never know. Uh, a late touchdown or something to pull within three touchdowns. I don't think LSU is just going to put up, you know, 60 points here. I think they maybe put up, I don't know, 38 but, I mean, 38 to 14, let me check my math there, that's 24. So let's go 38 to 17. Uh, yeah, 38 17. I think Syracuse can kind of keep it respectable to a certain degree, maybe a late backdoor cover, but I'm with you. Give me Syracuse to cover here. That's what I like to hear, Joey. Should we move on to the next one? We got Wake Forest and a little App State action. Ooh, this will be fun. A little, uh, little mountain, uh, mountain trip to... Uh, uh, Boone, North Carolina for Wake Forest here. The Demon Deacons, a four-and-a-half-point road favorite at Appalachian State. 3.30 p.m. on ESPN3. Um, I am i don't know what I think about this game, Mike. This is a an interesting kind of matchup. Wake Forest has obviously looked really good so far this year. Um, App State, I feel like, might be a team that we tend to overrate at times. Um, do you tend to agree with that? Yeah, I mean, everybody thinks of App State because of their upset of Michigan, the big house, 10 years ago. And then they forget that, like, we're 10 years further down the road and this is a different team now. Um, so that's that's the issue there. Uh, I don't really know what to make of this game either. Um, App State, I mean, they have a decent football program. They're not as good as they were last year when a lot of people, I, well, it was a trendy pick that, you know, they would upset Miami last year when Miami came to town. And obviously that didn't come to pass. <laughs> Uh, I like Wake Forest here to win. Um, they've done a lot of good things on defense, and they've done a lot of good things on offense. John Wolford has been running the ball well. He's been throwing the ball well. He's been taking care of the football. I think that's the most important thing. But the reason why I'm picking Wake Forest isn't as much about this game as it is about the next, like, five games. Um, because if they don't win this game, uh, you know, they're not going to win for a while. Um, they have Florida State coming to town next weekend. Uh, they go on the road to Clemson uh, the weekend after. Then they got Georgia Tech uh, on the road October 21st. So they have a bye week in between that Clemson-Georgia Tech game. Um, and, and then Louisville comes to town the week after that. And then they go on the road to South Bend to play Notre Dame. I mean, I don't think there's a win on their schedule for the next month if they don't win on Saturday against App State. So for that reason, I'll take Wake Forest to win into cover. I'm going to say they win by like a touchdown. I think this will be a semi-competitive game and one that's going to be worth tuning into, but I'm not sure how many people will actually end up watching this game. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Um, we could very easily next week be talking about a 4-0 and Wake Forest team that's about to end up 4-5. and um, That is a brutal stretch coming up. I kind of agree with that. I think Dave Clawson has them really focused in to win this game. Make sure you get to 4-0. And then down the stretch, you just need to win two out of three against Syracuse, NC State, and Duke. And I think that Wake Forest can make that happen, but we'll have to see. Um, Wake has also benefited a little bit. This is probably going to be the best team they've played so far this year, frankly, uh, after a road trip to Boston College and a home game against Utah State. Uh, S&P Plus would tell you that Boston College is 81st, Utah State's 80th, and App State is now 51st. So this is... This is a step up, um, and an App State team that is feisty and at home in Boone can be a weird place to play. I think I'm going to take App State to cover here, but I think I'm going to take Wake Forest to win in a close one. Um, I, I think that this is a, a bit of a keep your eye on it, maybe an exciting finish kind of game, but I think I like Wake Forest here to win. Uh, let's go 31-27 like a four-point game, so App State barely covers, but uh, Wake Forest still wins. I might be getting too wishful with a couple of these uh, couple of these underdogs, but... Eh, that's fine. I picked a couple upsets as well. Yeah, fair enough. So you're going Wake Forest to win and cover. That I am, but I think the real question is, are you going with Miami as a 13.5-point favorite against Toledo to win and cover? Miami's first game in, like, three weeks as well? after all the hurricane festivities, we'll call them. I'd, <laughs> festivities might be the wrong word. It might be insensitive. It's um, probably the wrong word. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably the wrong word, probably really insensitive. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, after the hurricane devastation. There we go. That's better. Uh, they got Toledo on Saturday. That's going to be a really weird game. This is a weird line, Mike. 13 and a half. Uh, this is another team. We haven't seen Miami play in three weeks. Um, so... It's kind of hard to say. I mean, they came out and just sort of ho-hum walked, you know, kind of sleepwalked their way to a win over Bethune-Cookman, 41-13. That was, again, the Saturday before Labor Day, and we haven't seen them since. Um, it's So it's kind of hard to say specifically what we're going to get out of them. Um, I, I have my concerns about a little bit of rust here. I, I probably shouldn't be, though. I don't know that Toledo is really in a place, especially defensively, they're going to be able to take advantage of this Miami team. Um, I think that Miami's going to have an easy time running the ball. I'm curious to see the quarterback situation. Um, we got some answers maybe last week, but they weren't as convincing. And I say last week, I say, I should say on September 2nd, we got some answers, but they weren't maybe as convincing of answers as we should be getting. So we'll get a little more here this week on Malik Rozier. Um, 13 and a half. I think Miami's defense especially is going to come out and play really inspired. Um, I think the crowd's going to be behind this one and really excited to see Miami play for the first time since, you know, a hurricane ripped through the city and, uh, and, and caused a lot of destruction and a lot of pain and a lot for a lot of people. So I think Miami wins a pretty emotional one here. Wins pretty big. Um, let's go Canes 38-21. to 21. Uh, I think it's a pretty big win, and I think they cover 13.5 here. Logan Woodside of Toledo has thrown for 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns already. Good now, Lord. Granted, granted, he has played against Elon. I say he. Uh, he and Toledo. <laughs> like it's a one-man show. Uh, Toledo has beaten Elon, Nevada, and Tulsa. Tulsa has one of the worst defenses in the FBS, and they have 
had one of the worst defenses in the FBS for quite some time. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, now Toledo throws it around the yard quite a bit, so Miami secondary needs to be ready. I think they will be. I'm going to take Miami to win this game. I agree it's going to be emotional. The crowd will be there in full force. Um, I, I don't know really what that means for Miami because they, they don't really draw a huge crowd, but I think they'll have a bigger crowd than usual there uh, just because this is kind of a big deal. They're playing football there again. Uh, but I do like Toledo to hang around in this one. Um, I think Miami wins this game by like 14, so I think they barely cover. I will not be betting on this game. I yeah, I would not be. recommend it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about Miami yet. They slept walk through their game against Bethune-Cookman and haven't played since then, as you mentioned. And Toledo can really sling it. Uh, so uh, this is not going to be a really easy game for Miami, but I could see a scenario where they blow out the Rockets. But give me Miami by a couple touchdowns, barely covering the spread. I will not be coming anywhere near this game with any of my money. Yeah, that's a smart decision. Mike, we got two more games we'll go through quickly. Your number 16 Virginia Tech Hokies, 29-point road favorites at Old Dominion on 2 o'clock on the ACC Network. That's a weird time for a game. Um, I, you know, this should be a blowout, right? It should, and, and realistically it will. But with a big game coming up next week against Clemson, is this a potential look-ahead spot for Virginia Tech to where they might not cover 29 uh, first of all, it's the first time the Tech has played at 2 o'clock in the last, like, 15 years, something crazy like that, hmm. um, at least for a home game. So, yeah, super weird time. Uh, yes, this is a look-ahead spot. Uh, no, I don't think Fuente will let them get away with it. So I like Tech to win and cover. Uh, they looked great against East Carolina last weekend offensively, but they need to get off to a quicker start. Uh, I thought the defense was not very good in the first quarter last week gave up over 200 yards to east carolina but gave up like 77 yards the rest of the game if they give a performance like they did in the final three quarters um against old dominion for the full contest i think this team will be in really really good shape so give me the Hokies to win and to cover here definitely a look ahead spot but you know i, I think they're too well coached at this point in time there's no reason for me to believe that justin fuente will have them looking ahead to clemson that's for sure my only issue is that Old Dominion coming off a 30-point loss to North Carolina, this spread being 29, is pretty exceptionally high, especially for a Hokies team that might be looking to rest a couple people before that game next week, uh, might be looking ahead a little bit. I, I feel like there are factors here that could keep this to four touchdowns or less, um, even in a backdoor cover you know, kind of situation. I think I'm going to take Old Dominion. This killed me last week. I shouldn't be doing this. I think I'm going to take Old Dominion to cover here. Maybe not by much, um, but give me, what, the Monarchs? Is that what is that what this is? Yeah, they are the Monarchs, whatever that is. Um, yeah. I think I they've mean, got some, like, lion-y kind of yeah, logo or something. it's like a make-pretend dog thing. Um, <laughs> now, I'd be naive if I didn't just, like, point this out. I'd, I'd be remiss to say this, I you know, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I'm picking Virginia Tech to cover solely because I had ODU plus 11 against North Carolina last week, and they freaking burned me. So that's playing into this as well. I just wanted to point that out to you, Joey. Kind of a come-to-Jesus moment here. 
Better be careful not to get burned again here by ODU. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's a shame if that happened. Again. Hey, you're the one putting the lock of the week evil on me with Georgia Tech, so yeah, just fair. throwing it out there. That's fine. I'm not putting my on this game, though, truth be told. So, <laughs> wouldn't recommend anyway. it. Yeah. One last game that I also wouldn't recommend putting money on, but whew, what a spread this is. Uh, the number 19 Louisville Cardinals fresh off the uh, bad home loss to Clemson. and I mean, as bad as a loss to Clemson can be realistically. Uh, they are 43 and a half point home favorites against Kent State, Mike, at noon on the ACC network. And I'm kind of leaning Kent State here. Uh, I mean, for them to keep it within six touchdowns, I realize who's on the other side of the ball, but Louisville going to work a couple things out, but then they probably trying to get right here. Uh, they've got another big matchup coming up soon. Uh, I'm going to work on looking up who that is. I know that they got one coming up, though. So, um, I, I think I like Kent State within six touchdowns, uh, even with Lamar Jackson on the other side. Uh, oh, no, Louisville's got Murray State next week and then at NC State the following Thursday. So, I don't know. I might actually roll with Louisville. Um, first of all, stay away with it. Stay away from this game with your money. Um, second of all, yeah, give me Kent State. Kent State plus 43.5 somehow. Um, but I think they keep it within six touchdowns. We go, I don't know, 56 to 14. That works. I'm, I'm going to, yeah, wor- that works, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's inside 43 and a half. Um, I'm taking Louisville here to win and to cover. I can't believe I'm saying this. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my rationale. It might be wrong, but hey, here's my rationale. Clemson. Uh, beat Kent State, what was it, 52-3 to in the opener with a quarterback making his first start. Uh, Lamar Jackson is not making his first start. So. Yeah, that works. Uh, that's what I'm going to go with. And Kent State couldn't move the ball on Clemson, which, you know, neither could Louisville. <laughs> so there's the irony there. Now, you know, can Kent State score on Louisville? I mean, if they put up a couple touchdowns, that 43-and-a-half number is in grave danger. I don't know how much Kent State scores in this game, but I could see this thing being like 56-10 to 10 and Louisville barely covering. Um, so I'm going to take the Cardinals here to win and to cover. I can't believe I'm saying this because six touchdowns is such a massive spread. Massive spread, but give me Louisville, I guess. That is ridiculous. By the way, West Virginia last week was like a 62.5-point favorite against Delaware State. Um, they did not cover that. Uh, so Who would have thought? Yeah, if you're picking Louisville here, just be really, really careful. Yeah, uh, don't don't put money on this. Mike, ACC Picks of the Week. You picked first last week. I'm going to go first this week, and I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, I'm kind of leaning Clemson to cover 34, which just feels like a bad idea. It's a as horrible I, idea. As I just got done telling everybody, don't take these big spreads, but... Um, That's the man, one, though, if you want to. That's Boston the one. College is not... Not good. Um, in Death Valley, even coming off a big win, you know, two big wins really for Clemson. I just I don't know how Boston College is gonna score or stop Clemson in this game. Five touchdowns seems very reasonable. Um what did I say? Forty five to six or fifty some I, I, I don't even 45, know. I believe you said forty five six. Yeah, checking the math. Yeah, that, that works. Okay. Uh yeah, I think Clemson minus 34. I, I'd almost actually maybe uh, – hmm. the total in that game is 51.5. I'm kind of feeling over that maybe. 
Um, but then again, I just said 45-6, which is exactly at 51. Give me Clemson minus 34. That's my pick of the week. Clemson minus 34 somehow. Um, I don't feel great. I'm going to I'm gonna feel real dumb about this when we come in and do the recap. But anyways, that's what I'm going with, Mike. And uh, I expect you to make a fool of me here. Uh, no. I mean, that's a pretty good pick, actually. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good pick. Uh, you picked Clemson to cover five touchdowns. Um. Georgia Tech minus seven against Pitt. Lock it. Damn it, Mike. Lock it, lock it, lock it. Damn it all. Been saying it for the entire podcast. Might as well continue here as we wrap things up. I'm going to be like in a fetal position on the couch with like a bottle of whiskey as I watch Georgia Tech only up by 24 points in the fourth quarter just because football does very, very bad things to me at this point. Um, all right, fair enough. Georgia Tech minus seven. I'm taking Clemson minus 34 because that's where we both are in our lives. Um, Mike, anything else before we get out of here and go watch some sweet week four action? Uh, through 52 minutes and change, my audacity is not yet frozen on me, which is an accomplishment. So That's a, that's a win. It is, that's a big-time win because the important part of the podcast has been recorded. Yes, that works. That means we should probably get out of here before something does go wrong. That's uh, right. Yeah, so this has been fun. We're going to come back uh, and recap these games here next weekend. But in the meantime, you guys can reach us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel ACC. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You guys should, like, tweet us and stuff as we watch the games this weekend. Uh, we have a lot of fun with Twitter and such as these games are going on. So come find us. Uh, you should send us an email to the longest email address, no demand, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Yes, uh, that, that was much better than last time. Uh, yeah, if you got questions, comments, concerns, feedback, whatever, you find a cool link, you need a dinner recipe, whatever, send it all to the uh, longest email address in demand. Uh, they can find us on iTunes, on Google Play, on SoundCloud, on the Overcast app, where you can uh, follow and subscribe and rate and review and do all those cool things. And Mike, where else can they find us on the social medias? They can find us on Facebook.com slash Basketball Conference. Rate, review, find all of our podcasts there. You guys are awesome. Yes, they can. Please go find us there, facebook.com slash basketball conference. But, Mike, this has been fun. Are you looking forward to week four in the ACC? As much as I can. The the only sad part about this is we're like a third of the way through the college football season already after this weekend. So let's not look at it that way, though. Mike, why you got to do that? Putting us all in a downer kind of mood. It's almost over now, man. All right. Well, uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying the football while it is on. Uh, so this is going to be week four. It should be fun. Some interesting matchups, some huge spreads that underdogs might find ways to cover or not. We'll I'll have to find out. But, uh, Mike, you want to come back and recap week four this weekend? Absolutely, buddy. Let's do it. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. Talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.